Hello, beautiful light-filled souls. My name is Trisha Barker, and I'm excited to let you know that the second annual online near-death experience summit is coming up this June 23rd with speakers, Dr. Raymond Moody, Lisa Smart, Dr. Jeffrey Long, Dr. Eben Alexander, Karen Newell, Nancy Rines, Howard Storm, Paul Perry, David Ditchfield, Leslie Lupo, Kimberly Clark Sharp, Dr. Tony Chicoria, John Burke, Jose Hernandez, and me, your host. There are plenty of videos to check out ahead of time, but please look at this link and we'd love to have you join. You can get your questions answered by the speakers at this event. And thank you. Thank you so much for your support of my memoir, Angels in the OR, which launched last month. It is such a pleasure to connect with readers, and many people have enjoyed the Audible. So if you don't have an Audible subscription, you can have three, 30 days um, for free and get my book that way. But I would love to hear from you, and I hope you enjoyed this recording. You can check out these interviews on my YouTube channel. I'm converting many of them over to podcast, but enjoy. Hi, I'm Trisha Barker, and my near-death experience story was featured on A&E's I Survived Beyond and Back, Season 1, Episode 5. I was sandwiched in between two very lovely people who had heart attacks and had a near-death experience that way. I had a car wreck, and I was a senior in college at the time. And this race was a symbol, the Austin 10K was a symbol of me getting my life back together, stopping the partying and figuring out what I was going to do with the rest of my life. I was about to graduate with an English degree, but I did not want to teach. I wanted to go into editing, maybe law school down the line. Because I grew up poor, I wasn't interested in teaching, and that's an important fact that features in the near-death experience later. Well, this wreck, uh, it, during the wreck, I broke three vertebrae. They were completely shattered and pieces of the bone fragments were pressing on my spine. I was beginning to lose feeling in my left leg. I had a lot of internal injuries. My right ankle was fractured as well and I didn't have health insurance. So I wasn't given a painkiller or Tylenol. They knew I needed surgery. I was just strapped to a board and left there screaming for hours sometimes. Um, other times, you know, nurses would come and talk with me. Eventually, I found a doctor who was willing to operate on me, but she had been on duty for 40 hours, and Dr. Flan was probably about my age now. She went home, took a, a bath, a shower, had some dinner, rest, and then came back and operated on me. And I was very grateful. I signed this form that said 17% chance of death, and I thought, ah, I'm young, I'm healthy, you know, signed it, I'll, I'll be fine. I mean, they just make you sign this, right? Well. The next thing I knew, the anesthesiologist put the mask over me and then I was out of my body. Now at the time, I was agnostic and so I was so shocked that the spirit goes on. I wanted to pop back into my body and wake up and tell all my friends, hey, we do go on, even if I had to die. I just wanted to come back and say, we definitely go on. I know that much. So that far into the near-death experience, I realized that. Then I was kind of looking around the room and I looked down at my body and surgery is brutal. There was so much blood. Maybe my internal injuries were causing me to lose so much blood. I don't know, but my back was opened up. Part of my hip was opened up and I was looking down at this kind of way from the top of the ceiling, kind of a 360 degree vision and I could see the doctors and I could kind of 
I knew what they were thinking, what they were doing, and and you know, the surgical techs were handing um, tools back and forth, and then I saw the most amazing beings. They are sometimes called higher beings by other writers. I called them angels. I didn't have any other term. They were just gorgeous and tall, taller, like seven, eight feet, and they calmed me immediately by sending this light from their eyes into my spirit body, and immediately I felt calm that everything was going to be okay, and they said, we're here with you, don't worry, and then they said very clearly, watch this, and they wanted me to see that they could hit send this healing light through the surgeons, and they did this. They sent this incredible light through the surgeons and into my body, and I saw that the bone fragments would be picked out of my spine and that I would walk, I would be fine. And then I was meant to remember somehow that they could work through, through people. Now, I, I was pretty sure the doctors weren't aware of this, but they worked through them nonetheless. Then I noticed that the monitor flatlined. And I went, oh no, I'm dead. And I didn't know how they were gonna revive me. My back was already opened. I didn't know how much more blood I could possibly lose. And I didn't wanna see that scene, so I was out of that room and when you're a spirit body you just think and then you're outside the room so suddenly I was no longer in that operating room and I was in the corridor and I ran into my stepdad. Now this is my verifiable incident. Um, Dr. Jan Holden and a few other researchers from INS are always curious about people that have verifiable incidents but my mom and stepdad were health nuts at that time and I didn't think he would eat a candy bar but I saw him getting this candy bar and later verified um, that my mom saw him with the candy bar. Well, I kept going and then I was outside of the hospital and it was night and over Austin and I, I felt this oneness with everyone that I'd ever known. but. I specifically zoned in on people who I didn't get to know, who were really lovely. And I thought, oh, what a shame. You know, their hearts were so beautiful. And for whatever reason, I'd been shy or closed off or judgmental. And I didn't take the time to get to know these people. And the light wanted me to see that judgment and fear and and self-consciousness prevented me from knowing some really beautiful people. These these uh, people that I worked with at Tres Amigos were single moms. Some of them were just in the restaurant business. and. I thought because I was a college student, I didn't have anything in common with them, but they were worried about me. They prayed for me. They wondered why I was depressed, and I saw how gorgeous their hearts were, and I thought, okay, if I come back, then I really need to open up to more people and see their hearts. And then I had this life review, and the light was not at all judgmental. Anything that I had done to harm myself, the light just felt sad for me and wished that I'd been better to myself, but it didn't judge me. It didn't you know, say that I was bad in any way. It loved me so much and it only wanted me to love myself with that same love. And I think that was a message that if love is all that matters and all that we take with us you know, from our interactions with others, certainly part of that love needs to be towards ourselves. And so loving ourselves and taking care of ourselves is important and what the light wants, what God wants. So I felt that love, and then as I was doing my life review, I ended up at about five years old, and the Spirit wanted me to see that I had strong faith, and I was very much in touch with nature as a child, and that that was a beautiful place to be, and that was a lesson that I needed to bring back, is the power of nature is an amazing thing. And then the minute I thought about that, suddenly I was in this otherworldly place and the grass was so green, the light was so bright. 
and it felt like heaven perhaps, but mostly I was at peace, even greater peace. And as I was walking through this grass, I wanted to come back and remind others to connect with nature, that there's so much peace and beauty and joy that can be had in nature and that it's important to spend time, peaceful time in nature. So as I was walking through this gorgeous field, I came upon my grandfather and he was the only person I knew at that time and who had died and he said, come on Trisha, get on this truck. And so I did that sometimes when I was a kid. I would sit in the back of a pickup truck and my feet would drag the ground and through this tall grass. And so I did that for a while and I was happy and enjoying myself. And then he turned his head back and he was like, hey, Trisha, you want to keep going? And the light was kind of up to the, the right and it was so beautiful and it beckoned me. And I said, definitely, being this adventurous soul that I am, I was like, you know, there. And so I was flying towards the light. As I was flying towards the light, I could feel different people's prayers. I could feel my mom's prayers, my dad's prayers, this, my grandmother, this one particular aunt wanted me not to die because she had lost her daughter in a car wreck and it was very painful for her. And I could feel her praying to God saying, please don't let Joyce, is my mom's name, don't let Joyce go through the same thing that I went through in losing her daughter. And so I felt that and I thought, oh, how sweet. And I almost wanted to come back for that, but the light was so incredible. I'd never felt any love like that. You know, a mom's love, romantic love, nothing in comparison to that love. It was the best feeling I'd ever felt in my life. So as I was going towards that light, I was whole and complete and happy, wanted for nothing. And I just felt disconnected from my life back there. I didn't want to go back. And then suddenly the light said, look down. And I saw this river and this river was beautiful and it looked like a river of life, you know, many, many miles of a flowing river. And then there were all these tiny little lights and I thought, oh, those are souls and their lights are turned on. And I saw other souls that, you know, not in this flow that were covered by darkness in a sense. And that to me looked like fear from that point of view. And the light then showed me my own soul and it had grown very large and, and full of light, especially since I was so close to this light and it said, that I needed to be a teacher and that all these little lights were my students and I would help them turn on their lights and go out into the world and remember their soul, remember their connection to nature, let go of fear, embrace their passion, live life to the fullest and believe that we do go on and that these bodies are just a costume that we put on for a while. I didn't want to be a teacher. I argued for a moment, but there's no arguing with God. When God is your guidance counselor, you're sent back. And so that was the last memory that I have is being shown that I would be a teacher. So I was sent back into my body. And the next thing I knew, a nurse was feeding me ice chips and she asked, do you remember your name? And I said, yes, I remember her name. Her name is Trisha. And I was so disappointed to be just me and my particular self and consciousness when I had once been one with all this consciousness and intelligence and amazing possibilities outside of my body. But I so had the memory of angels and, and the memory of God and how great it felt to be in that place. So, you know, flash forward years later, I did get my teaching certification when I went back to Austin. I did heal rather well, ran the Austin 10K 
and the very next year and I um, got my teaching certification the next year after that um, I taught English in Korea on the East Coast in New Orleans um, in San Antonio and Dallas and in Fort Worth and I've had an amazing time working with students teaching has been such a blessing that I would not have picked it for myself I have felt free and happy and guided many times in the classroom and I think sometimes I'm lucky enough to feel those angels working through me. Maybe not for everyone but for certain people perhaps who need it who are in desperate need of help. I have felt guidance from the other side and in those moments I remember the angels who worked through my surgeons and I know that I was meant to see that for a particular reason and I have loved every minute of it. My story was also featured in National Geographic this spring in 2016 and when I told my story to the researcher I realized it was time that I write it so I started writing my memoir which features a lot of my life after the near-death experience because I think the after effects are pretty important and interesting. A lot of people who are into ears come from this place of love and altruistic feelings for everyone and sometimes they're a little bit childlike and they can be taken advantage of by by different people and I was you know very young in my 20s uh, early 20s then and you know I had a man who was in a writers group and who was sexually harassing to me and um, you know was a friend that I knew on some level but he was a very sick guy and then I had a stalker and I had many things in my life that shook me up and made me wonder about people and their perspective but I think the point of all of that is to stay in this place of light and no matter what happens I am not this body I am so much more I know that and the near-death experience has changed my life for the better and I can't wait to tell my full story through this book so thanks for listening to my video and may you be blessed